Hey y'all, Illidan here with a quick message. We realized episodes 1 through 12 had some rough audio and tech issues, and I tried to edit it all out, but it didn't quite meet our standards. So what we're going to do is we're going to be re-recording some of the topics in later episodes that inevitably will have more ideas and different content still pertinent to the original topic. So as you listen to these older episodes, we humbly ask for your patience as we press on and strive to bring you better content each week. If you'd like to continue hearing uh, the original episode, keep listening. If not, look for the topic name in our episode list in our new episodes, where we've learned to fix some of those issues. We hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, goblins and paladins all. This is the third episode where we, the Story Weavers, help you as players and Dungeon Masters, new, old, and inspiring, with questions and ideas for the next tabletop role-playing game. Welcome to the This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Illidine, and I'm here with Thorn. Howdy. And today we're here with uh, Nadi, who is one of the artists that we've used. Uh, if you guys take a look at the podcast art, she did that. And we've also commissioned her for some uh, party art as well. Hello. So today, uh, Nadi, you said that you wanted to talk about a campaign that you're writing. Is that true? Oh, oh yeah, uh, definitely. I'm excited about this. Awesome. Uh, so what I figure we could do is you just uh, spitfire either the, the concept of the campaign that you're working with already, and then maybe some questions so that you could spitfire some, uh, some ideas back and forth with us. Oh, great. Okay. So um, the whole premise around my campaign, well, I guess the idea started when me and my friends were kind of like wrapping up our old one and we're like, hey, well, what next? And I was like, well, I was having trouble writing this one campaign. So we just started talking about, hey, what if we just started a tavern? You know, what if that was the whole thing? I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. So instead of your party meeting in a tavern, my party is now running a tavern. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> they first started off as a food cart and their ultimate goal is to make their restaurant become a chain on the mainland because they're on an island called Paldora. And uh, on Paldora, there's been, you know, some sort of crazy type of happenings that have gone on um, for, like, I guess, centuries and centuries, because um, they don't just have regular beasts and animals and stuff. They also have, um, in addition to those crazy things, they have, um, uh, like, food-themed monsters and stuff. <laughs> okay. So they're able to go out into the... I guess, wild and find these sort of creatures that they can either face off, uh, you know, like hunt down or harvest for them to prepare for their restaurants. Um, so we've kind of gotten to the end of the first arc. The first arc was trying to actually find a, you know, just build their own establishment away from the food cart. And so um, now we're starting to transition into, oh, I also forgot to mention that there are three arcs and in each arc they make different characters um, that contribute to running this restaurant. And um, their first characters were cooks, you know, slash chef for whatever you want to call it and the mm -hmm. owners. Now we're going to our second arc, which I'm having trouble writing and their characters will now be bartenders. <laughs> nice. So I guess that's enough for the <laughs> background or premise of it sure. all. Um, so what, what kind of questions uh, or what's, what's the biggest part about um, your writer's block that you're having? 
So um, in the first arc, we had this sort of like gimmick thing where each of the chefs would have their own signature recipes or work off of a recipe book that contribute to um, like uh, critic encounters, which it would be a critic would come in and they would have a certain amount of HP or hunger points that they would have to dock down with uh, delicious damage that is um, kind of gathered with whatever recipes they make. That is actually badass. <laughs> very, <laughs> Thank you. Very, very unique, and I—it's it's amazing to me how many different ways you can take just the basic tabletop game of D and D, mm-hmm. and that's a very unique way of doing it. Oh, thank you. I've yeah, been playing I, for a long time, and I've never heard of anything like it. Oh, well, <laughs> I've been playing for like two years now, so I, I, I hope that you can impart some wisdom upon me because I have a couple of mechanic things that I've been trying to work out. Um, so okay, what, 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 what are you trying to work out with the mechanics? Okay, so the big thing that I had before with the last arc was that they would have recipes of their own making or recipes in general that would contribute to, of course, the whole critic encounters. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wanted to carry on that sort of encounter style with the bartending type of deal. Um, And um, there won't be any critics. That's the thing, though. So I'm trying to see what I can do instead because the whole portion of this part is like, hey, the person who lent us the whole kind of start to this restaurant um, has this book, like a recipe book that she's left behind. Um, and it's kind of become this very treasured sort of item between the group. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's in good reason too, because the person who lent it to them has passed away. Um, and, uh, little do they know there's something about the book that people out there are trying to find and take for themselves. So, um, Someone, I'll have to figure this out too. <laughs> um, someone is going to uh, take that book and try to auction it off to get, you know, big bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I want my uh, players to have to retrieve this book before it's too late. Interesting. And yeah, I was thinking because the last part was more, yeah, we had our encounters, but they were kind of just by the will of my players because basically the encounters is them hunting. So um, I kind of wanted it to be more of a like step away from it because they're not really focused on hunting for ingredients or anything. Mm-hmm. They're just like, hey, we need to get through these types of bad guys to get to the book that we're trying to get back, right? So, uh, so instantly my mind goes to like, um, either a, a competitive, um, tavern, you know, maybe from the next town over or, um, just regular, um, patrons that maybe they're, I don't know, a dwarf from a, a, a high up mountaintop that they've, you know, brewed their own alcohol for years and you come, they're coming down here just to try new things and, it's similar to the critic uh, encounter, but I guess it's more uh, along the lines of them uh, tasting the drink and, and seeing if they like it or not. Is that something that you're you could do? Uh, yeah, you know what? That's not bad either. Actually, what, what about what about a contest? 
like brewers from all over the land. Ooh, yeah, that would be good. Are are coming to this this humongous contest uh, where the the kings or the dwarven lords or you know whoever the the big you know monetary uh, force in your land is is throwing this to find the main kingdoms uh, you know mead or ale or brew of choice and make it a big contest make them come up with their own again with their own recipes but instead of with meat it's with hops and barley and you know different ingredients almost like a microbrewery and bring out the contest like that and make them go through several um stages you know make them go through like a whole bracket to get to that that best that top best one and as everybody's focused on that maybe that book just gets misplaced and to to add on that as far as like mechanically you could uh steal from i think it was four fourth edition that did like skill check challenges and i've used that in my campaigns before um where you know like thorn was saying um when you get to the the ingredients of the the drink or whatever you're you're making you have to do a skill check to be to say like okay well if i roll a certain dc then these two ingredients are going to react well together but if i don't make that dc it's not going to be bonded quite as well uh and then you as the dm would set a certain number of success and failures for each drink so that way you say okay they got similar to death saves okay you got three successes okay that that drink passes but if you had three successes and two failures then it still technically passes but it's not the best drink that you could have made mm-hmm. yeah that sounds uh it's kind of how i worked out the cooking mechanics as well um but i kind of treated them as group checks instead Okay. So everyone would roll for, uh, you know, to prepare the dish. And if they all succeed the DC, then, hey, the dish is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But if they don't succeed, then whoever rolled the lowest has to try to make a like a saving throw for it to see if they can recover the dish. Um, but for like half the amount of points to satisfy the critic. Oh, I got you. I like that. Um, but if they don't if they don't succeed the save, then the, the dish fails. Right. They don't receive any points at all. Um, so I might kind of stick with that sort of mechanic because that's just how we've been rolling the whole time. We all understand it now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a good mechanic for each stage that you're bringing in, you know, a little different from cooking to the, the drinking part. Plus, you can also throw an extra uh, hook for the critic, make him make a con save as to how alcohol the drink is. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Where as the judges, as they drink, because they, they're having to judge these things. And, you know, you're supposed to spit it out, but that doesn't always happen. Maybe the judge gets a little tipsy, gives you a little better score. Mm. Okay, okay. So I've also had this other type of thing where actually one of my players inspired this. Um, was the inspiration for it, actually? Um, because he decided to make a drink of his own creation. Um, as like a recipe for, you know, regular critic checks in the beginning mm-hmm. for the food to go with the food. And so um, he used health potion as part of his uh, key ingredient 
because every dish has a key ingredient and then regular ingredients that you can find anywhere in like a market square right. or something like that. And um, I was like, oh, that's cool. What if the drinks that you make in this new uh, arc have different abilities and can probably give different boosts to your characters as well? Or if they have some sort of effect that you can use against people that you may need to, you know, type mm -hmm. of, you know, sway one way. I don't know how to really describe <laughs> it. But um, my biggest problem with that is like, hey, some of these, the characters that they're building are probably casters already. And I don't want to just use drinks in as like a substitute for casting necessarily because it's like, it's kind of redundant. People mm -hmm. might not really use it. Um, so I've been kind of thinking about what I can do instead. Um, I've already like written out some that would give different boosts. Like, um, uh, what did I write? <laughs> <laughs> I think some of them was like advantage on some sort of saving throws or like uh, advantage on certain types of uh, checks, stuff like that. Okay. But I kind of want to add something else there that might give some other type of flair other than just boosts. And, and to be honest, that, that kind of thing right there is actually quite common. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've actually this used it with candles, uh, where you get advantage of certain spells cast by the candles you light. Uh, you know, they, there's stuff like that from books. When you read books, you get certain you know pluses and minuses, and that, so it is quite common. Uh, so you're what you're saying is you're looking for another angle in this arc other than that. Uh, yes. So you could, I mean, it could be something as, uh, it, I mean, very simplified. If, if they do, you know, this, the skill check challenge, like you've been doing and the drink, uh, fails the DC, whatever it is, um, something negative happens to the judge. And I don't know how, how your table plays, but if we, if we went into like a combat scenario, you know, um, the drink goes bad and either it does minor damage to the judge or it, it gives a negative a negative buff to the judge and he fires up and starts you know making a commotion or something and and still that would tie into uh, the book getting lost is you know during the commotion of either the party doing really well or the party getting into some trouble um, somebody steals that book whether it's I don't know if you have a a person on the in the party that wants to be the bad guy, or if there's just an NPC you're going to make a bad guy. Either way, it can be really fun. <laughs> mm, okay. And one thing to think about: if you do have somebody in your party that would be, you know, open to playing the bad guy, like on a down low. What I what I personally think drama makes fun. So if there's drama in the party, it, it's fun. If the people can separate themselves as a person from their character mm -hmm. and play the bad guy, it's it's a blast. But you have to be careful with that too, because a lot of times with with newer players, it's hard to separate. Mm. Okay, I actually have one player who's um, at uh, one point we were in another campaign a couple years ago. Uh, I was really convinced that, hey, he's probably playing the bad guy for this scenario or for this, you know, game, mm -hmm. but he was just being, he was just being chaotic evil or whatever the heck. But uh, 
I wouldn't mind asking him, but I don't really think he's up for it. But that'd be a really cool thing to maybe suggest. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it could be fun because uh, we we had a uh, a player that through a series of different contracts and things that he made with other beings, he ended up slowly becoming a bad guy in the party, and uh, eventually one of the players, uh, this player that I'm thinking of, he made a pact to where he controlled Legion um, and he was trying to clone another player and steal a dragon from another. And so he ended up getting an arrow to the head. Um, But then on the opposite side, there was a player that uh, he wanted to be, to have a slow descent into evil. And so I I created um, this vampire Lord that, kind of just teased him with more necromantic spells and things to make him a better caster. And every time that he accepted help, he slowly ticked towards uh, true evil or, or uh, chaotic evil. So he, you know, he started out on the good side of the, of the grid and just each time <laughs> went through, but like Thorne said, it's, it's about, you know, making sure that we can keep separated um, cause that new, newer players, they might take it a little personal if the, if it's a player on player type of event, but if it's something small, you know, maybe you have the, uh, the other player that you have in mind, take the book and auction it off or try to auction it off, but he was doing it with good intentions. Maybe he was doing it to get a lot of extra money for the, the tavern, um, and build it up. And he was going to attempt to steal it back later or something like that. Hmm. So not necessarily a bad guy, just like bad methods. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like they say the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, I mean, it could be that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like me, you know, if I, if I'm playing with a group that's a bunch of experienced players playing for years, and I'm playing the bad guy, I'm trying to undermine them at every chance I get without them knowing. Mm-hmm. So when everybody rolls, you know, you know he's not rolling for successes. He's rolling for to take it down enough to fail. That's, that's another way to take it. But like I said, if your players can't handle that kind of deception, it, it, it's, a, it's a non-starter because it's to have fun. You're just trying to have fun. Yeah. Now, another idea, if we, if you liked that um, idea or style that we're we're throwing out at you, you could also tell all the players, "Hey, so and so is going to be the bad guy." You, as players, know, but your characters do not know, and then you can throw it to them that way. And if they like the idea, then you roll with it. It's just a matter of metagaming at that point. <laughs> yeah. But I think with my my players, they like it's like to them I'm notorious for giving like weird twists to things. <laughs> so for this, I just want to keep things like mysterious. I don't want them to have too much to know about okay. who the bad guy may be. Right. So I'm, I I really want to keep them in the dark for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're more like us than you think. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and and as far as like the, the book going missing, the book going for auction, you could do it with the player doing it, 
or you could bring in an outside source. Maybe the if if it's an if it's sought after as it is, maybe put that like the whole context, the whole everything is to give the person that wants it a chance to steal it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you would create a big baddie. Maybe it's the guy that's throwing the whole thing. You know, maybe he's seeming benevolent and nice and everything and, and doing this and promising, you know, cash oh, available yeah. for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the whole time that he's, you know, showering everybody with all this stuff, you've got people working against you trying to break in. You know, maybe your characters find somebody trying to break in. They don't know why. Or they go wise after the book, so they try to hide it. And there's other people, you know, assassins and thieves. And, I mean, Inside it can really... <laughs> Yeah, and these people could be dressed as food cart drivers, you know. They could be pushing the carts. They could be other uh, bartenders, brewers, chefs, you know, because you're going to have a big contest with a lot of drinking. There's going to be a lot of food there, too. All right, all right. Yeah, (laughs) okay. I think, okay, so I've been um, kind of like brainstorming ways this book could be taken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And the one that I started off with, and I mean, you guys have given me so many more like alternate universes right now about how this book can be taken. <laughs> and they all sound really, really fun. But um, I guess the my first draft of it was like, hey, um, oh, and then that's another big challenge. Um, my players in this current arc that we're in, um, they keep this book under lock and key. And I'm like, okay, shoot. Now I got to figure out a way that is, you know, that makes sense for this book to be taken out of hand. Um, I mean, we're like, this book is under like traps and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was thinking, hey, my new, the, the new, pl- I mean, the new characters my players are playing are in for a day of training, right? Mm-hmm. You know, staff got to come in, learn how things go. And um, on one of these training days, something goes off, like maybe firecrackers or some sort of bomb. And um, you just have like these thieves kind of like ransack the place. And under all the commotion, that book gets snatched and they're on the run. Mm -hmm. And when the dust kind of settles, everyone realizes, oh, my gosh, the book is gone. (laughs) Um, But I was thinking like, hey, that'd be that might be a reasonable time for like the book to be put in plain sight for yeah. like people to learn from it. I don't know. No, that's well, good. The thing to remember, it's good. It's really good. But it's also a thing to remember is no trap, no lock is unbreakable. You just got to make a better thief. Yeah. A better and thief. Yeah. So like you, you're, you're talking, I mean, what level are your characters? Um, so they're starting on eighth level now, but they're ending on seventh. Okay. So like, like, you know what I mean? You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing saying you can't bring a 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th level thief in there. Mm. And just, he, he can go in, you know, they can come into their training and they just open it and it's gone. All the traps are reset and everything. You know, one of my favorite things is to make it look like something just so insanely good it's a a person that's so good at what they do just makes all their preparations and everything just look like it's it's fruitless because there's always somebody better yeah Ooh, i like that (laughs) 
uh, it could also be uh, further down. I don't know how long you like to make your your arcs, because um, my last arc took a year and a half. Um, but if you set it up where you're doing some of you know some of the skill check challenges for these drinks, you know, maybe like a pseudo critic encounter. And then, like you said, they have, they come in for a day of training and you know, the, the book's gone. You can kind of, if you're into it, you can change the trajectory of the arc and have a small mini encounter of a chase encounter. And the D and D has a whole bunch of mechanics on chases into the wilderness and things like that. Um, so it it takes a little piece away, gives it a little bit of spice, and then you you know obviously the eventually the idea is for them to catch this thief, uh, recommandeer the the book, come back, and you can finish off the arc however you plan on finishing it. Oh wait a minute! So <laughs> I guess the whole purpose of the arc is to find the book. Like that is the end game. Oh, okay. I got you. So the whole arc is a wild goose chase across the island. Oh, Cause they also, they also haven't been able to get outside of the city that they're in. So I want mm. this to be an opportunity for them to explore the island even more and go to the other three cities that are there. Oh yeah, that's perfect then. I mean, definitely have uh, a higher level thief, you know, however you want to play it, you know, a higher level thief or uh, an inside person or whatever, you know, gets past these traps, steals the book. The rest of that arc is all chase encounters. Um, you know, if a, if he's a master thief, my thought process is, is having a, a small thieves guild or at least a thieves guild chapter in your town where they have to go through a bunch of henchmen that are trying to slow you all down while they're trying to get to the book. Mm-hmm. Like yep. Thank you. You just, you just turn into <laughs> a big game of basically you're just turning into a big game of cat and mouse. Yeah. Almost. Cause then at one point I want them to have like some sort of heist mission. That's gonna come around the auction time. Um, okay, so here here's an idea for that. The whole heist thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say the thief leads them to the contest. Right? So mm-hmm. if the thief leads them to the contest this book is in this big guy's house or in his palace and they have to steal it before the final contest with the with the the bruise with the, the for the prize money or whatever you're going to give them make that happen right before the big reveal and all that stuff so that would be the end of your arc would be them getting it and winning hopefully Ooh, yeah <laughs> And that that leaves you the ability to tie into your third arc. Obviously, um, if you if they if they win the competition, if they if they get the book, or the the inverse, if they only get the book and lose the contest, or they don't get the book, but somehow still manage to win the contest, or they don't get either. They don't get the book. They don't win the the contest. And then arc three can either be a redemption arc, or it could be. Uh, a continuation if they hand off the book to some you know their their newer characters if you if you're changing your characters each arc um so it could be any of those like different variations and combinations of of win lose mm-hmm. all right just because it's fantasy doesn't mean we always have to win oh no definitely not <laughs> I remember how like broken they felt when they lost their first like critic, like they when they didn't <laughs> please a critic enough. 
Oh, man. Those are some of the best DM moments, though. <laughs> they truly are. And mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it, I really like the idea you got going. I really oh, yeah. do. Oh, it thank sounds you. amazing. Yeah, after we get done, I think after the arc that we're doing right now, my friend or one of my players and I were going to kind of uh, like have it all written down and tidied up because she also wants to run it too. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that time. Now, just be careful. Uh, I don't know how your players are, but I wouldn't suggest writing everything. Oh, no, uh, no, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, we just, we're going through the outline, you know, gotcha. kind of like go. mechanics and uh, big plot points and what to do with them. So that's it. Good. Oh, in general lore, they don't know a lot of the lore, actually, now that I think about it. Um, so a lot of these things might come to surprise my player when we go through the, go through it all. And that's some of the fun, uh, the fun parts. I mean, that's especially if you're a writer like I am, I, I do tend to go overboard on lore. And yeah, sometimes my players don't ask, you know, the history about a certain thing or whatever, but I still have that uh, in in a file. And so if they ever do a history check or maybe an arcana check on a on a device or an inscription on a wall, it's something fun to help immerse the players a little bit more into your game. Uh, I mean, because without lore, you're looking at just the basic mechanics of D&D, and it's supposed to be that the role-playing game aspect, at least in my opinion, is more important than the mechanics and the, the combat. Um, so yeah, have have fun with with lore and with history of your town of the book. Um, if you create this master thief, have him have us have a quick, you know, either a, a short story or a small uh, two paragraph thing about him and how he, him or her, and how they came to be um, this master thief. You know, especially if you use the thieves guild idea. How did they become the the thieves guild leader? Is that is that something that they did they did they themselves have to do a huge heist, and this was you know this is something that they do on an, on uh, a normal Friday, or was stealing the book their admittance into the thieves guild? They had to prove their worth and, and steal the book. Lots of fun different stories. I don't know if you're trying to insinuate something, Melody. I asked plenty of questions. Hey. <laughs> Thorn Thorn does ask questions. I think it's the other players uh, that don't always ask questions, but especially this last arc, um, one of Thorn played two characters, and one of his characters was more of a hit first, ask questions never. That's his sister's job. So. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> But no, it's, it's, it's fun just to let your characters be who they are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of DMs or, you know, storytellers that get upset when you don't go through everything they wrote. Right. But you can't take that person because they're not inside your head. They're not thinking like you're thinking. Right. So you have to let them play. And I mean, I've seen plenty of new DMs go through it. You go through some serious growing pains on that alone. Uh, but that's part of the reason why I I don't really write anything down. 
everything's in my head and I go off the, off the seat. But it, it sounds like you've got, you know, your thing pretty well in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other questions you have for us? I mean, um, let me see. I did have another question. Um, okay. Well, I can actually hold on to it. I take it back. I don't have any more questions <laughs> other <laughs> well, than, you know, hmm? Well, let's do something that, that we like to, to do sometimes is tell us about your first character. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love my first character. <laughs> and I didn't get to play her much, you know? So. That's, that's very common. Yeah. Yeah, it was my first, you know, my first game. Very enthusiastic about it. Um, her name is Renea Telefi. She was a, or I guess she is, a half-elf ranger. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, she, of course, like many people's first characters, they just kind of like play off of themselves. So she kind of played off of me of being new to things. Um, very um, kind of like, uh, I guess enthusiastic about life and adventure. Um, she grew up in a village um, that very much so prioritizes their ranger force or the Telefi Rangers. That was the group she was a part of, and they were all made out of, made from like, I guess the team was just her family, her siblings. She has, I think, eight siblings, <laughs> if I was just remembering off the top of my head. So they all kind of like form this elite force of, you know, badasses. But she was the rookie. Renee is the rookie. And um, she pretty much was either the scapegoat or the uh, reason they didn't do too well out there in the field. Um, So she was like, hey, I'm trying my best. But, you know, confidence kind of goes down a bit. Um, That eventually led to, I guess, the big old uh, why am I adventuring type deal. Um, she uh, wasn't paying too much attention out, you know, on the uh, on her rounds around the territory. And she, you know, her, her, her senses kicked in as if something was wrong. But, you know, after being told that, hey, you're just paranoid, you're not doing it, you, you, you're, um, you're not focused out there, just stay on your job. She just said, okay, I'm gonna just leave it be. And turns out it was an entity of some sort that came and swooped through her village, set things ablaze and killed her father, who was the chief of her uh, village. So she's kind of have like some sort of revenge story to go after trying to find the thing that killed her father and destroyed her home. And yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's my girl, Renea. That's awesome. (laughs) Everybody tends to remember their first character, and it's it's something that I tr- I like I like to hear. Yeah, you know it's 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 nice, especially when you have a reaction where when we you know when we say oh tell us about your first character you're like oh man my first character I love her like that was that's a the perfect reaction, um, especially you know we always remember our first our first characters and our first character death. I think another reason why I love her so much um, from like an artist standpoint um, is that, you know, I'm able, I can draw whatever I want. And her character design to me is probably one of the best I've come up with. Mm-hmm. And I, she's become like a comfort character for me, not only to play, but also to draw. That's um, awesome. 
So I can, like with my old party and everything, I used to draw little scenarios and little escapades we'd get onto and um, just, just, you know, just have fun drawing her and whatever she, she could be doing or um, like in my, you know, me as a, I'm a student as well. Um, I took a comics class while I was in school and um, my final project was a comic about her. Uh, <laughs> you could, awesome. I mean, on my Instagram, I posted it there too. A lot of her, a lot of my drawings of her on my Instagram. Well, that's a, that's a perfect segue. Um, yeah. <laughs> where where can we find you? Where can the audience find you to either do commissions or see your work? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Nadi underscore draws. Nadi with four eyes, N-A-D-I plus four, you know. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I'm not too active on Twitter anymore either. So you can really just find me on Instagram. <laughs> All right. So on Instagram. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, before we sign off, are you sure there's no more any questions we can help you out with for your campaign or you got enough writing done? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess my big thing that I was workshopping as well was um, different sorts of drinks that my players could prepare. Um because um, I wanted them to work off of cocktails instead of just food recipes. And like I said before, the first half of them were kind of like boosts. Like I'm looking at it now that I have my document pulled up. Mm -hmm. um, we have advantage on strength-based ability checks, dexterity-based ability checks, and then saving throws as well. But then I also was like experimenting with, um, like, uh, like I said before, drinks that could also cast as well. So we have giggle water is one of the the cocktails you could make that would cast idiot <laughs> laughter, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, just things like that. So I was like, maybe depends on if my if they really are like set on being casters for this uh, arc or not. I might drop it, might change it. Who knows? Now, one thing that you could do, um, just as an offshoot, if they do a skill check challenge and they fail the drink. They could be making one of your buff drinks, but their their check just doesn't make it. They could it could look like that drink, but instead do the opposite effect. So instead of <laughs> advantage on something, they get disadvantage. I was gonna say the exact same thing. <laughs> Ooh, never, okay. never ignore the opposite effect. Okay, opposite. You know, while you're giving them something, don't be afraid to take it away. Yeah. Right. And okay. also, a, a big thing when, when they get those drinks and they have that sitting there, that weight and that advantage, make them use it. Put them in a situation that makes them use it. There was a uh, there was an instance that Thorne and I were in a, a campaign uh, with uh, one of our friends, and uh, she gave us this amazing potion, and it was a potion of indestructibility. It gave us immunity to all damage for one uh for actually it was for 10 minutes and man we were trying to save it real hard um because we knew you know as especially as as veteran players we were like well you know we don't want to just use it on any encounter so she threw encounter after encounter at us and we just kept saving it kept saving it and finally uh we got to the top of this tower and we were supposed to defend um like a cleric person from all these spirits and we're level, I think we were level three at the time. And uh, 
she she rolls a d100 and she's like yep there's like 40 spirits and we're, we're like okay yeah we take the, we take the potion we're good to go and it was something that was really funny because she set a timer for us and before we got through like two rounds of combat the the cleric was able to finish her spell and we teleported out and so that whole 10 minute uh, potion was gone and we couldn't use it for the big bad that w- that came like shortly after that <laughs> so it, it is something that you don't want to let your characters sit on because they they will if it's if it's a really good item or a good potion it they're just going to keep it in their pocket until they really think they need to use it and then you never actually get to see that that effect go in so definitely try and and uh, hook them into using it <laughs> mm. Excellent. Yeah, excuse me, <laughs> can't speak. Um, I was actually thinking about um, how potions could become ingredients for these cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first one, like I said, my, my player came up with this using a health potion as a key ingredient for a recipe. I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know what? Because you don't use a lot of it for the recipe, how about like a concept between like, if you have a certain potion, you can use it as a, um, as a key ingredient making it as a, like a drink, a cocktail could stretch it out, but give you less of an effect. Oh, I like that. Especially with like the, the health potions, it, you know, if the, the first health potion that comes to mind is a, a 2d4 plus four, you could pour a little bit, pour half of it, and you only get 1d4 plus one health if that was, you know, what you, the effect you were trying to go for. Mm-hmm, exactly. Making uh I don't know, make an old fashioned with scotch and health potion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Thorne, do you have anything else to add to that one? The recipes? No, I mean, I think it's a really good idea. Uh, Cause there is so many potions. I mean, if you go on, you know, any D and D beyond any of the, the big sites, I mean, there's just potion after potion after potion after potion. And some of them give strength, give agility, give, you know, dexterity, give anything. And you can, chop it up like that i think it's i think it's great yeah. don't be afraid to make up your own oh yeah <laughs> i've been i've been trying to workshop some sort of some some ingredients to add in there not necessarily potions too but like potions and other ingredients that would have sort of effects and you know kind of you know, make things a little fun <laughs> a little jazzy oh, yeah. yeah mix and match and even if you come up with your own homebrew potions just you know do it it's yeah. your campaign you're you are the god of that world you can do whatever you want <laughs> and if you're worried about uh game breaking uh, I, i'm one of the, the story weavers or dms that is under the impression that you cannot you simply cannot break a game uh i mean i gave thorn a uh, an ac of 32 and i still managed to smack him every once in a while <laughs> so, you dang near killed him <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a matter because like i mean again this is a fantasy game so you sometimes the players like to indulge in these legendary items that just sound badass but there still has to be a little bit of a drawback or some drama involved so like when i said thorn had an ac of 32 he usually didn't get hit but man when he did it was close to death every time because it was just this big baddie that was swinging you know a adamantine mace and left him a a lasting scar on his face um 
different things like that uh, you can do. You know, just like Thorne said, you're the god of the, of your world. And if you're worried about balance, you can steal from anyone. We've said it in, in both episodes. Episode two is live now. Um, but uh, Thorne and I are the type of DMs that, I mean, steal from everything. Steal from books, steal from websites. Uh, I mean, D&D Wiki has a bunch of homebrew stuff that you could look at and say, okay, well, this potion does this, but I don't like the name of it. I'm going to change the name of it, and I'm going to change half of the the properties of that of that potion and i want it to do this instead but it's still it maintains that still that level of of balance for the game because there's always a give and take uh in dnd mechanics lots of stuff to think about <laughs> oh plenty i'm glad i have this list now I, I, like this helps so much <laughs> oh we're glad we can and help if you have, and if you have any other questions you know you know how to get a hold of us Mm-hmm. let us know we're, we're more than glad to help all right thank you and and one thing that i would like to say is uh maybe after arc two um in the coming you know months let us know and we can have you back on as a, a before and after and uh, see how the arc went what you did with it oh my it's gonna oh. be a crazy story already i can tell you <laughs> you know how players are oh yeah well thanks oh, yeah. again for coming And uh, for you listeners out there, uh, remember to keep checking those dungeons because this dungeon is occupied.